0: All right, so for the uh, last week, we started a brand new series, and the series was called Reveal, and we're talking specifically about Revelation Knowledge. Everyone say Revelation Knowledge. Let's turn our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1 please. We're going to go through a quick review uh, because we have some new people joining us today and I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page as we get through this. And uh, for those of you who may be joining us for the first time, whether in person or online, all the messages are available uh, on YouTube so you can go back and make sure that you are caught up with us with the other messages as well. Uh, Ephesians chapter one, verses starting from verse 15. This is the Apostle Paul. He's praying over the church that he is writing to. In verse 15, he says, Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks to for you, making mention of you in my prayer. So he's specifically praying this over the people in the church. Verse 17 says. Here's what he's praying. He says that the God of our Lord Jesus, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Now go with me to Colossians chapter 1, please. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9. Once again, uh, um, uh, it's the Apostle Paul who is uh, writing this letter as well. And in verse 9, he says, For this reason we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you, uh, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, Fully pleasing him. Being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Hallelujah. Now. Paul is the spiritual father for both of these congregations. He started the church, he planted the church, and now he's, as a missionary, as an apostle, he just doesn't stay in one place, but he moves on and he does the work of the missionary, work of the evangelist, and work of the apostle. However, even though he leaves the place, he's constantly thinking about the people, he loves the people, and he wants to take care of the people. And he's constantly getting reports of what is taking place in these churches. And as he's getting news that new people are being added, that new... uh, People are being converted to the gospel, converted to the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's excited about it. And now he's saying, I am praying for you every day. Now, when you think about that, you might be thinking, okay, Paul, what are you going to pray for these new believers? Because new believers means that they came from a different religious background. That means they came from all kinds of, let's say, addictions, uh, uh, wrong patterns of thinking, uh, you know, problems in their marriages, problems with their children, problems with parents, problems with health, problems with finances, all kinds of issues you're dealing with. And yet, Paul is not praying that somebody breaks free of addiction. Paul is not praying that somebody breaks free of the issue of lust. Paul is not praying that somebody gets a job. Paul is not praying that somebody gets healed. Paul is praying one prayer, and he's praying that for the person who, got ju- who just got born again last week, and he's also praying that for the person who is a, let's call him a seasoned uh, a Christian. Somebody that's been in the, the church for a very long time. They've heard about the gospel. Maybe they uh, uh, you know have been a Christian for several decades, and Paul is still praying the same thing for the one who is just born again, and for the one who is, has been a seasoned Christian. And what is this one thing that Paul is praying about? Paul is praying that the eyes be opened. Paul is praying that revelation knowledge be given to these people. Now, Paul, why would you pray that when people are dealing with a marriage issue? Why would you pray that when people are dealing with a health issue? Why would you pray that when you, are, when you know that they're dealing with a financial issue? And Paul would say, I'm praying this because this is the key issue. He would say this is the key issue. The key issue is not the finances. The key issue is not the uh, relational stuff. The key issue is not the mental or the emotional stuff. The key issue is not the heart problems. The key issue is the eyes being opened. He says if their eyes are opened, then they will know exactly what they have been given. They will know exactly who they are. And they will know exactly how they need to respond to the situations and circumstances in their life. Right? Go with me to uh, uh, Acts chapter 26, please. Acts chapter 26. Because for in, according to Paul, everything springs out of this revelation. Everything comes out of revelation knowledge. So he prays this over every single person in the church acts chapter 26 now why paul why would you pray this over people acts chapter 26 and verse 14 let's look at what happened in the life of paul himself verse 14 says and when we had all sorry and when we all had fallen to the ground i heard a voice speaking to me and saying in hebrew language Saul, why are you persecuting me it is hard to, uh, um, for you to kick against the goat so i said who are, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet. For I have prepared to you for this purpose to make you a minister and a witness. Both to, of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. We're calling the name of the series "Reveal." So Jesus is speaking to Paul and this is the day when he got knocked off of the horse. And this is the encounter that he's having with Jesus. And Jesus says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make you a minister and you're going to teach people and preach to people of the things that you have seen, he says, and the things which I will yet reveal to you. Verse 17, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. Now, pay attention to what he says in verse 18. Why is he sending or why is he saying that he will send uh, uh, Paul to these people? He says, to open their eyes. You see that? Verse 18, he says, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light. So why are you saving Paul, Jesus? Why are you going to reveal certain things to him? Why are you making him a minister of the gospel? And Jesus' answer to that is, not so that people will be converted. Sure, that is part of the thing. Not so that people will be blessed. Sure, that is part of the plan. Not just so that people will be healed. Sure, that is the plan. All of that is part of the plan. But the root issue that Jesus is dealing with, he says, I am sending you to these people so that their eyes will be opened. To open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those. See, it's not just the forgiveness of sin. If it was just the forgiveness of sin then the whole repentance issue or the opening of eyes should only be dealt with before you're born again. But Jesus says, this is not just about a person understanding that they're in the kingdom of darkness and oh, Jesus brings light, Jesus brings hope, Jesus brings salvation and I get saved. He says it doesn't stop there. He says, let me read verse 18 again. He says that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance. And an inheritance. That means this is something. The opening of the eyes is not a one time event in the life of a person. The opening of the eyes is a lifetime process for every individual. For every individual. And that's why Paul is praying this over the little baby Christian and over the elderly baby Christian. Or sort of, over the elderly Christian as well. In some cases, elderly baby Christian as well. Alright? So what's happening? He's saying, I understand that this is a very important thing. In fact, Paul would say, this is the whole purpose Jesus called me into the ministry. Why would you pray this, Paul? Because that's the very first instruction Jesus gave me. He said, he's sending me that eyes be opened. So every time I preach, I preach that eyes will be open. He says, every time I hear that somebody has heard the gospel and somebody received Christ into their lives, I pray the same thing over them one more time. Why? Because they need to know their inheritance. Because they should not be living life on this earth thinking about the sweet by and by. One day Jesus will come and take me away. One day I will close my eyes and I will get to heaven. Sure, think about heaven. Sure, understand that there is a glorious future awaiting for you. But at the same time, understand your inheritance is not just for the kingdom, heavenly kingdom. Your inheritance has been given for the earthly living as well. Are you understanding that? Say amen if you believe that. So your inheritance has to be understood. And your inheritance has to be received. And your inheritance has to be experienced while you live on this earth. And Paul says, that's the reason why I pray. This was the very first foundational instruction given to Paul by Jesus Christ himself. Now, again, let's continue our quick review. Go with me to Psalm 119. Let's uh, see what David uh, uh, said about this in the Old Covenant. In the Old Testament. Psalm 119 verse 18, he says, open open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. Again, we have to understand that there is a surface level understanding and a deeper understanding to the things of God. A surface understanding and a deeper understanding. And so what's a surface understanding? Surface understanding is David knows how to read and write. And so, a surface understanding of the law would be, David picks up the law in his hands and he starts reading the law. And once he finishes reading the law, he closes the book and he says, okay, I read the law. And because he understands language, because he has comprehension of words that he's reading, he has a surface level understanding. But David knew something about God and David had a glimpse into the things of God and David says, God, open my eyes. Even though this man is in the Old Covenant, he says he's praying to God and he says, God, I am not satisfied with just reading some words on a a, a scroll. I'm not satisfied with that. He says, God, open my eyes. Why? So that I may see wondrous things. Now, even when we think about the law, there's not so much wondrous things that we think about the law. Why? Because we think the law is restrictive. We think the law is crazy. We think the law is, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, too high of a standard to live. We think all of these things. And yet David says, I know because it comes from you. It is your word. There are wondrous things in your law. He says, so let me not be satisfied with a surface understanding. God, open my eyes. Why? Because I don't want to be satisfied with surface understanding. I want to get I want to dig deeper and have revelation knowledge of your word. You see, for example, um, um, how many of you have heard the gospel all your life? The word gospel. Okay, you've heard that all your life. Right? Especially if you were uh, uh, born in a Christian family or if you've been attending church for a very long time. You've heard about the word gospel. Not only have you heard about the word gospel. You've had, for many of you, have had a surface understanding of what the gospel is. Oh Jesus came into this world God so loved the world He gave his only begotten son That whosoever believes in him Will not perish But have everlasting life Alright And we understand John 3.16 And we think Okay we have an understanding Of the gospel Jesus took my sins away And therefore I get to go to heaven Jesus took my sins away And therefore I get to go to heaven Jesus took my sins away And therefore I get to go to heaven Now that's the basic understanding Of the gospel And 99.9% of Christians Will know that And ninety. Percent of Christians will only know that about the gospel. Now, be honest, since you've been hearing and understanding the grace and truth that came by Jesus, and since you really start digging into the gospel, how many of you have had had a deeper understanding of the gospel? Okay, at least two or three hands went up. All right. Okay, which means now you not only understand that Jesus took my sins and I get to heaven. Now a deeper understanding of the gospel says, not only did Jesus take my sins, but he exchanged his place with mine. That's part of the gospel. It's not just that you have a one-way ticket to heaven. Now that's the surface level of the gospel. But a deeper level and a deeper understanding of the gospel is, not only do I have a ticket to heaven, not only will I get to heaven, but at the same time, while I'm here in this present rotten world, while I live in this world, I live as the righteousness of God. Now that comes from the gospel. He who knew no sin, we just read it during communion, he who knew no sin was made to be sin that we might be, the righteousness of God. When did that take place? It took place on the cross. Now the same individual who says they know the gospel will quote the same scriptures but they will never get to the understanding that they're the righteousness of God. Does that make sense to you? Amen? Everybody awake. So a person can have surface level understanding and say I know the gospel I get to heaven. Sure. You get to heaven. There's, there's no, nothing wrong with that. But it's just surface level understanding. That's the understanding of where Paul in, in Acts chapter uh, 26 and verse 18. Where we said that, that they may receive the forgiveness of sins. Yes you've received the forgiveness of sins. But then you left out the Inheritance. See, now when you know the inheritance, you go a little deeper in the gospel. And then you say, not only do I have a one-way ticket to heaven, but while I live on this earth, I am the righteousness of God. That means as Jesus is, so am I in this world right here, right now. And that's part of the gospel. And that's having a deeper understanding of what you already understood before. It's a clearer understanding. It's a more precise understanding of what you already knew before. See, a lot of times when you're looking for breakthrough, when you're looking for a way out of situations, when you're believing God for something, most of the time it is not new things or new information that brings the breakthrough. Most of the time it's a clearer and more precise understanding of truth you already know that will bring the breakthrough. It's a more precise understanding, a clearer understanding. It's, a, it's the opening of the eye understanding of the truth you already know that brings the change, that brings the breakthrough, that brings the manifestation in our lives. Amen? All right, go with me to um, John chapter 16. Even as we're hearing this, you might say, Oh my goodness, Pastor, this is overwhelming. How do I get all of this to happen in my life? Well, Jesus uh, uh, already thought about these things way before we did. And Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit. Somebody say the Holy Spirit. Spirit. All right. John chapter 16 and verse 13. Look at what he says. He says, However, when he, the Spirit or the Holy Spirit, um, uh, the Spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. Everyone say all truth. Now, He's saying, I am going to go away. Jesus said this. Jesus said, even though I am going away to the Father, he says, don't be disappointed with that. He says, don't worry about that. Why? Because he says, even though I am going away, he says, I am sending you the helper, which is the Holy Spirit, or who is the Holy Spirit. And he says, he is going to guide you into all truth. Now, if you're taking notes, write this down. One of the principal roles of the Holy Spirit is to uncover or reveal the Word of God to us. One of the principal roles, one of the principal responsibilities of the Holy Spirit is to reveal, is to uncover the Word of God to us. Now, uh, of course... Does the Holy Spirit heal? Absolutely. Does the Holy Spirit empower us with power? Absolutely. Can you shake under, uh, under the influence of the Holy Spirit? Sure. Can you speak in tongues? Sure. Can you lay hands on the sick and they'll recover? Sure. Can you be anointed by the Holy Spirit? Sure. All of those things. But primarily, He is coming to guide you into all truth. And where does truth come from? The of God. From the Word. Which means he's going to reveal and uncover things to you. And that's the primary role of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. So you're never without help. I'll say that again. You're never without help. You're always with help. Oh, I, can't, I, I couldn't reach you, Pastor. I sent a text. I didn't. Don't worry. You have something, someone better than me. You've got the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, he said, he'll never leave you nor never forsake you. And he will guide you into all truth. How many of you have ever been to, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, some sightseeing places, historical places, while on, you know, tour, vacation, something like that, all right? Now, whenever you go to some place like that, you know, uh, you know let's say Taj Mahal, uh, uh, you know, the, the famous place in India. And you go there and, and you're walking around. And one of the things that before you start walking around, before you go to these palaces or other places, do you have guides waiting for you. And they'll say, you know, I'll, I'll teach you things that you would not even recognize by walking around these halls. You'll pass certain things, and you'll think that's just an ordinary hall, but you don't understand the person who laid the stone here. You don't understand the painting. You see, you think that's just somebody painted on the wall. You don't know their identity, but if you take me with you, you'll know their identity. Why? Because they are the guide. And the Bible says, Jesus is saying, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit and he will guide you into all truth. So one day you wake up and you're just reading and you read every single day. Uh, You know, you might have read that verse a hundred times and you just read it without the help of the Holy Spirit, the assistance of the Holy Spirit. You read it, you close and you said, oh, I'm done for today and yet one day you have an expectation and say holy spirit as i'm reading the word right now uncover things that i need to know uncover things let the wisdom of god flow through me if there are corrections that need to be made in my life please let me know if there are changes that need to be made please let me know Uh, i'm working on this business deal if there's something i need to get regarding that business deal if i need to get something about the relationship issues if i need to get something about my healing please let me know holy spirit lead me guide me i am open and then you start reading all of a sudden things begin to uncover, things begin to get revealed to you even though you walked through the same hallways before. You kept walking through the same hallway. You kept walking through the same hallway. Oh, I saw that painting, I saw that. Never realizing who painted that. Never realizing whose picture that is. Never realizing the materials used for that carving or for that architecture. Now all of a sudden because you have the guide with you, Things that were familiar to you are seen in clearer light and understanding. Are you understanding that? That's the role and that's the help of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. And every one of us have the opportunity to receive that from the Holy Spirit. Now, go with me to... All right, write this down. I, I said this last week, but just in case you missed out on it. The process of revelation is the transition from head knowledge to heart knowledge. The process of revelation is the transition from head knowledge to heart knowledge. Now we, see the, we saw this last week in, in the life of Peter. Go with me to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. Starting from verse 13, it says, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I am? Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, how many of you know that this was not new information for people around there? We saw that last week. I took, to, took you through a bunch of different scriptures from the book of John uh, and even from the book of Luke where a bunch of people by that time were already recognizing Jesus as the Messiah. They were calling him the Christ and they were, uh, uh, Peter had already heard this several times in his life. In fact, the very first time Jesus heard about Jesus from his br- brother Andrew, it came by the news. He says, hey, I've seen the Christ. Come, let's meet him. That's the first introduction to Jesus. So this is not new information to Peter. Peter has been hearing this over and over and over and over again. Now, every single time, the first time Peter heard it, it was head knowledge. Are you understanding that? Because Peter comes and says, hey, I found the Christ, let's go see him. So Peter got information, that was the first time he heard it. So that was new information that he did not know before. So for the very first time, Peter hears that there is this guy who they believe is the Messiah. And so that's new information and new information comes into his mind as head knowledge. Has had knowledge now Peter starts living out his life and as he's living with Jesus he's seeing over and over and over again different people calling him the Christ so he's hearing this over and over and over and over again now Martha called him that bunch of people uh, call him that and all of that and nothing happens and all of a sudden Jesus says who do you say that I am and Peter here in verse 16 he says you are the Christ the Son of the Living God now to everyone else around in that place, in that environment, it's like, duh. We already knew this. This is not new information. But all of a sudden, Jesus' response to him is very different. Jesus answers in verse 17. He says, Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. What happened here? What happened is... All the information that he was getting on a consistent basis over and over and over and over again was the point of his head knowledge increasing and increasing and increasing and increasing. And on this particular day, when Jesus asked him the question, all of the head knowledge that he had up here suddenly transferred as heart knowledge. And all of a sudden, now Peter spoke not from his head, but Peter spoke from his heart. The Bible says, from out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And Jesus said, now I know it's revelation knowledge to you. And he says, now you're a blessed man. You understand how revelation knowledge works? That's why I'm saying to you, uh, most of the time, now, I understand that when you're hearing the preaching of the word, you're listening to certain things, that you will get new wisdom and new knowledge that you did not know before. We un- I understand that. However, revelation knowledge oftentimes is not about new knowledge that you've never acquired before. Revelation knowledge is oftentimes about head knowledge transferring into heart knowledge. That means the weight becomes so heavy that eventually everything up here has to drop down here. And then you stop speaking from the head, but then you start speaking from the heart. And there's a difference in this. See, th- this is like the process. How many of you have ever been to a, uh, um, um, You know, a, a couple, maybe about two years ago or something, um, I was able to take my kids to a water park, um, my wife and I and, and our kids and, uh, uh, you know, I, I had my grandmother with me as well on this particular trip. And all of us were in the water park and we were wet and all of this. And, and um, in most water parks, there's this huge giant bucket. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Huge giant bucket and the water starts uh, uh, filling and filling and filling and filling. And what, do, what does everyone do? They go stand underneath it. And they're waiting, and we're waiting, and we're waiting, and we're waiting. And it may take a couple of minutes, but we're just patiently waiting, patiently waiting, patiently waiting. And what happens? The bucket is being filled at a slow rate. But once it is filled to a certain point, it just tips over. And the whole thing just splashes on all of us. See, revelation knowledge is kind of like that. See, every single time you come to church, you're getting it. You're getting it. You're getting it. Oh, nothing's happening. Bro, why are you keeping growing on to this church, bro? Same message every time. Blessing, 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 blessing. Healing, healing, healing. Why do you keep going to the same thing? Why do you keep listening to the same thing? It's because you're in the process. You're in the process. And it, the bucket is being filled. So Peter heard this. Martha heard it. Martha said it. Jesus did, Jesus did not even care for what Martha said. Jesus says, oh, I know you're the Christ and you have the uh, power of the resurrection. And Jesus says, you, have, you know nothing, Martha. You know nothing. Because the one that you're speaking to does not have the power to resurrect. He is the power He says I just don't have the power to resurrect I am the resurrection he says So Martha you just have head knowledge Martha you you really have no idea what you are even saying right now She had it She spoke it Question is from where Or the heart All of a sudden, things that were so clear to all the disciples, so clear to everyone around, same thing, spoken. And all of a sudden, Jesus stands to attention and Jesus says, you're a blessed man. Why? He says, now I know what you know has not come to you by flesh. He says, now I know what you know has come to you by the Spirit. He says, in this case, again, last week I said, the Holy Spirit was not uh, 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 the one doing the work at this point. The Holy. And so Jesus says, my Father has revealed it to you. But now he has sent the Holy Spirit. And every single time lights go on, every single time eyes are open, it's the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. And he says this, he says... Uh, 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 verse 17, Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I, uh, sorry, and I also say to you that you are Peter. You are Peter. Now, for those of you who listened to last week's message, that's a special thing. He's not, he's no, there's a difference in what Jesus is saying now. See, there was, there's a difference between what Peter said to Jesus. But now there's also a difference in what Jesus is saying to Peter. Because until this point, every single time, Peter, Jesus would tell Peter, you shall be called Peter. You shall be called. And all of a sudden, once revelation knowledge was a part of the life of Peter, or all of a sudden, it's no longer you shall be. He says, you are Peter. Are you understanding that? See, many of you, you, you've had promises of God. You've even had prophecies by prophets of God or for, from men and women of God. And, and the, all of it is, you shall be healed one day. You shall be blessed one day. You shall have a business one day. You shall have children one day. You shall be used of the Lord in a mighty way. What's missing from you shall to you are. What's missing is revelation knowledge. But once you receive revelation knowledge, you will no longer... You you will move from you shall to you are. It's no longer you shall be healed, but you are healed. No longer you shall be blessed, you are blessed. No longer you shall be used by, of God, you are being used of God. You move from you shall to you are. You are. Pastor, how long should I wait? I've been waiting, and I've been waiting, and I've been waiting. Oh, I read the promises of God, Pastor, but how long? Oh, the, you know, so so-and-so prophesied over me, so-and-so prophesied over me, so-and-so prophesied over me. Well, Jesus prophesied over Peter. You have a better prophet than Jesus? Prophesying over you? I don't think so. You know who decided? When his name was going to be changed to Peter? Peter did. Jesus didn't. If Peter said that with revelation knowledge, on the third day after meeting Jesus, on the third day, Jesus would have called him Peter. Jesus was not waiting for the perfect time to call him Peter. Jesus was waiting for Peter to have revelation knowledge so that he can be called Peter. Jesus is not waiting to heal you. Jesus is not waiting to bless you. Jesus is not waiting to forgive you. Jesus is not waiting to restore you. He's waiting on revelation knowledge. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That you may know the hope of his calling. That you may know that not only are your sins forgiven, but you have a glorious inheritance in him. Are you understanding this this morning? Amen? No, the trick of the enemy again is, why bother? Stop going. Now, go with me to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Look at what Jesus said. John chapter 8 and verse... Oh man, let's hurry. Okay. Uh, John chapter 8 and verse 31. He says, Jesus said to the people who believed in him. Now, think about it. He is talking to people who believed in him. He's not talking to people who have no idea who he is. He's talking to people who already believe in him. And look at what he says. He says, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. If you remain faithful, which means he's saying, you will be my my disciples if you remain, if you continue. Continue with what? If you keep continuing with head knowledge. Now, but then he doesn't stop there. Verse 32 is a continuation because he says, "If if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know. See, it's not just you will know the truth. There's, there's a prerequisite to it. See, we often quote, uh, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And it's a, it's a true statement. But then in context, Jesus has a prerequisite. Prerequisite is that you continue in his word. And if you continue in his word, he says, and you shall know the truth. And what's going to happen? And the truth will set you free. Now, when he says, and you will know, that word know is gnosko, meaning revelation, knowledge. You will know the truth, meaning it will not just be head knowledge, it will become heart knowledge. And once it becomes heart knowledge, that truth will set you free. Now, it's not just about setting you free. For some of you, it is when you get that heart knowledge, when you walk in Gnosko, he says you will be set free. When you walk in Gnosko, you will start walking the blessing. When you walk in Gnosko, you will walk in deliverance. When you walk in Gnosko, you will walk in redemption. When you know Gnosko, you will grow, you will prosper. All of these things will begin to happen. But again, the, 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 the trick of the enemy, guys, do you have a water bottle here? The, the the trick of the enemy is this. for for many of us, for many of us, this, this is how we function. Let's just say that 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 bottle right there represents who you are. That represents who I am, as a Christian. And a lot of times, every time we come to church, there's a little filling. And every time we come, there's a little feeling. Oh, while well, you keep going, okay, there's a little feeling. Oh, yeah, keep going because they, then you'll get your promotion, then you'll get your healing, then you'll get your blessing, all of these things. And then what do you do? You keep going, you keep going, you keep going, you keep going. And every single Sunday, every single message, you keep reading, you keep going. And you keep going and then somebody tells you, oh, there's no point in going to church. Why? Because I've been there six months and nothing has happened for me. Well, oh, I followed Jesus and nothing really happened. Oh, I follow Jesus and I still have these negative thoughts. Oh, I follow Jesus and I'm still dealing with this cancer. Or whatever the case may be. And there's some other voice that creeps into your life. And what happens is as a result, we keep getting filled. And you're filled with head knowledge up to this point. But then once you stop, and this is the deception of the enemy. The deception of the enemy is there is nothing happening to you. And that's a lie of the enemy. And that's why it's called a deception. Because the reality is, even if you don't see something on the outside, there's something that's happening on the inside. Are you understanding that? And and the process of revelation knowledge, the process of what Jesus is saying. That's why even when he says, the sower sows the word, what's happening? You don't see stuff on the outside immediately. But there's a whole lot taking place deep down on the inside. And everything that is taking place on the inside is so very necessary for what needs to take place on the outside. And too many times because we don't have the right understanding of who God is. Because again, you know, as silly as this might seem, for many people the only understanding of who God is, is the genie, God. Rub, 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 rub. Make my wish come true. That's the only understanding we have of God. And that's why the only understanding that we have of prayer is, oh, I prayed it did not happen. So there's no point in praying. I mean, like, that's literally how many people think. Like, I prayed, it did not happen, so what's the point of praying? Meaning, your only point of praying is praying so that something that you want happens. That's why our understanding of God is very childish. It's not childlike. Jesus never told us to be childish. He told us to be childlike. There's a difference. And so the process is, you keep coming, you keep coming. How long do I need to listen to the same message, Pastor? How long do I need to keep listening? You know how long? until this takes place in your life until that takes place in your life you keep listening only then will you be a person who is blessed to be a blessing only then will you become a person who knows your inheritance in god Only then will you become a person that is established in the things of God. That's the reason why Jesus, here he says, upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against. Upon this rock meaning not Peter. Jesus is not saying, I'll build my church upon Peter. He's saying, I will build my church upon this rock of revelation knowledge. Upon this rock, I will build my church. And he says, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Why? Because it's revelation knowledge, that's why. It's not head knowledge. See, the question is, what is revelation knowledge to you this morning? For those of you who are watching online, what is revelation knowledge to you? In what area of the Bible or in what area of the word, in what area of life are you operating in revelation knowledge? Not just head knowledge, but revelation knowledge. Because if the revelation knowledge is not something that you're walking in in your life, that means the gates of hell can prevail against you. And this is the exact reason why there will be somebody that comes to church and comes to church and comes to church, but they did not get to that particular position. And that's why something takes place in their life and they stop coming to church. Something goes wrong and they stop reading the Bible. Something goes wrong and they walk away from the things of God. Something goes wrong and they walk away from the things that God has for their life. And you think you're scratching your head like, but I saw them at church. But, I, but, but they played the guitar. But they used to serve in church. But they used to lead prayer. They used to come to my cell group. They used to do this. They used to be so passionate. What happened? That did not happen. Because if that happened, what's happening will not have happened. You get that? See, last week I said this does not mean that we live without mistakes in our life. This does not mean that we never uh, make a foolish decision in our life. It only means we will never be shaken from what God has for us. The anchor will be deep down. Are you understanding this? See, what is, and and, and write that question down and answer that to yourself once you go home. What do you have revelation knowledge about? Because if you don't, then you, you, you can be in danger. See, for example, you can have revelation knowledge that God is a good God. Oh, come on, Pastor. That, like every Sunday school child knows that. No, no, no. They don't. I guarantee. Many people sitting in this room, you may not know that has revelation knowledge. Many joining me today online, you may not know that has revelation knowledge. You know how you know that it is revelation knowledge to you? On the worst day of your life, you never even question God. On the worst day, what's the worst day that you've gone through? I know it's going to vary from person to person. On the worst day of your life, you never question God. That's how you know you're established in the goodness of God as a revelation knowledge. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. He said, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's revelation knowledge to me. It doesn't matter what, ha- I, I have never gotten to the point and I pray, I will never in my life get to the point where something goes wrong and I wonder if it's God. Never has and by the grace of God, never will. Never has and by the grace of God, never will. On the worst day. Now, I have by the grace of God, again, I've, I, I haven't had... Uh, I haven't had to walk through, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, crazy, uh, tragic situations in my life, or, or, or none of that. But at the same, it does not mean I've never had to go through tough situations, or uncomfortable situations, or or, or uh, things that that you know made me question certain things. But I never questioned the goodness of God. I never questioned the fact that God came to give me an abundant life. Full stop. There's no comma to it. I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. Full stop. He didn't say comma and then continue your own sentence. See, once that becomes revelation knowledge to you, you begin to live differently from that point onwards. Go with me quickly to, where were we? Um, okay, quickly, Acts 19. Acts 19. Let me, let me go through this quickly. Acts 19. Um, let's jump down to verse 13. Okay, I told you there's a difference between head knowledge and heart knowledge. Acts 19 verse 13, a group of Jews who were traveling from town to town casting out evil spirits, they tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, uh, uh, whom Paul preaches to come out. Son, seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest who were doing this, but one time when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? Now, these guys had head knowledge. What knowledge did they have? Ooh, I got a new idea. I learned a new trick. You know what the trick is? So one of those boys came to the rest of the boys and he said, I learned a new trick, boys. And what is it? Okay, I saw this guy, Paul, and, and the devils were manifesting and he used the name Jesus. Everyone got that? Jesus. Okay, let's say that one more time. Jesus, okay? So they practiced this, all seven boys. And the, all seven of them went and they were traveling. That means there was a crowd around them. And this guy is there and he's manifesting the demons. And then he, they used the name of the name that is above every other name. See, good head knowledge. They used the right word. And what happened as a result? And the devils fleed. Is that what happened? Nope. Verse 16. Then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them. The man, meaning how many? Come on, the man, meaning how many? One. One. One man leaped on them, overpowered them, and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. Naked and battered. I mean, you know that's some kind of serious beating for somebody to run out of a house naked and battered. That's some serious beating, one guy over all the brothers. Why did it happen? Oh, maybe they used the devil's name. Nope. What name did they use? Come on, what name did they use? Come on, a little louder. What name did they use? Okay. Is that the name that is above every other name? Okay, is that the name that was used by Paul to cast out demons? Okay, what happened? Same name. Not with heart knowledge. Same name spoken out with head knowledge got the beat down of a lifetime that's the difference say pastor what's the difference that's the difference it's the difference between you casting out demons and a demon beating you up naked and battered that's the difference well pastor i've been praying and 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 i've been uh, speaking the word pastor i'm speaking the word and you're excited week 10 Uh, Pastor, I am um, trying to speak the word. What happened? If it has not become revelation, you can say the same things like a parrot. But it has no power. Last week I said, one of the points that I said was revelation knowledge uh, always produces power. Always produces power. All right, go with me to, uh, um, okay, go with me to Matthew chapter 13. All right, give me seven minutes, I'll close. Matthew 13, quickly. Uh, Verse 14. And in them, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not comprehend, and seeing you shall see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. Look at what it says in verse 15 again. Their ears are hard of hearing, their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their heart. See with eyes, hear with ears, understand with heart. And what will happen when that happens? And they should, tur- they should tur- understand with their hearts, and turn, so that I should heal them. So what's happening? He's saying, I am not the one stopping the healing from happening. He's saying their eyes are not open, their ears are not open, and their hearts are not perceiving and understanding. They're not understanding. And because they don't understand, he says, stuff doesn't happen. I I want you to know, whatever it is that you're dealing with in life, whatever it is that you are believing God for in your life, you are just one revelation away. Now that should give you hope. Just one. You don't need a revelation in a bunch of things. You're just one revelation away. See, the, the woman with the issue of blood. Like, I have no idea. See, the Bible doesn't give us uh, uh, you know, the complete uh, you know, history of this woman. A lot of times we don't have all the details of every miracle. But here what happens is, whatever she heard, I guarantee you when you get to heaven, you talk to her and you say, hey, my, my, my pastor Ben said this, is this true? I guarantee you she will tell you this is true. Even if you cannot prove it in the Bible. I, I, t- I guarantee you, there had to be a point in her life where her ears were opened. There had to be a point in her life where her eyes saw something. There had to be a point in her life where her heart perceived something. She said, all my life I, knew, I know the law. All my life I know based on the problem that I have, I can't go out, I should not go out. But I've been hearing something, I've been hearing something, and I've been hearing something about this man. And the more I hear about this man, I see things differently. The more I hear about this man, the more knowledge that I keep getting. The more knowledge that I keep getting, I see things, I see things, I see things. I see light at the end of the tunnel. It, it, it has been dark all of these years of my life. I've spent all that I have and I've lost everything. But I start seeing light at the end of the tunnel. Why? Because my ears are open to something new. And as she continued to hear As she continued to see, all of a sudden it got to a place. I guarantee you, she perceived something in her heart. I guarantee you that. Because she said out of her mouth, If I can only touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole that word shall is an absolute confirmation it's a definite statement she did not say I may be made whole she said I shall be made whole and I guarantee you when she said that if Jesus was around it, 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 it would have taken place then but Jesus wasn't around but she was walking in revelation knowledge and because she was walking in Revelation knowledge, Jesus is walking in the midst of the crowd. People are crazy. People are pushing. It's a mob scene. It's, it's chaotic. Everyone is on Jesus. And everyone is touching Jesus. And he's being pushed through the crowd. And they're walking. And he's going to heal another person. He does not have his mind on a woman with the issue of blood. But she walks to him. She crawls. And she touches and the way she touches is like no one else touched. She did not even touch his body. What Peter spoke was what others spoke but no one spoke it like Peter. A lot of people were touching the hem of his garment but nobody touched the hem of his garment like this woman touched the hem of his garment. Because a lot of people were touching it, but she touched it with revelation knowledge. She knew, she said, she, the, the Bible actually says she kept saying to herself, if I can only touch, man, if I only have that opportunity. If I can touch, I know it'll happen. If I can touch, I know it'll happen. If I can touch, I know it'll happen. If I can touch, I know it will happen. She was not trying to convince herself any longer. She was already convinced. It moved from heart to, uh, from head to heart. And now she was speaking out of her heart. And she said, if I touch, I got it. If I touch, I got it. If I touch, I got it. And she touches, she gets it, and she walks away. She does not even need to talk to Jesus. in fact when jesus begins to ask the questions says she sheepishly comes she's she's scared because all of what she did up to that point she did based on what she heard and what she saw and what she perceived not based on what she saw she did not see jesus before with her naked eye but she saw certain things with the spiritual eye because of what she had been hearing And all of a sudden, she does what everyone else is doing, but gets different results. Why? Because she had what other people did not have. She not only had head knowledge, but she had heart knowledge. Amen? Today, I want to encourage you. You're one, one revelation away. I know some of you may be going through difficult situations. Don't give up. Don't cave in. Don't quit. Don't listen to the voice of the enemy. Don't listen to the voice that says, ah, you've, you've, you've gone all of this time. You've heard enough messages. You've read enough Bible. You've read enough books. You've made enough confessions. Nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to. Don't listen. Stay with the process. Stick with the process and it will come to pass in your life. One revelation away for everything to change. Amen.